0: Our reading John chapter 17 verses 11 to 14. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world.
1: Well, it is really lovely to be here today and to um, be teaching you this morning. I actually really miss your face. It's a very strange thing to preach to your own face. I've missed our gatherings at the school together on a Sunday. And one of the things I've really missed is the Merry Creek kids. I know some of you are probably watching today and I just want to say hi to you and let you know that I've been praying for you. I've been praying that you will know that God loves you and that you know that he is with you wherever you go. And one of the things that you kids bring to our church is an energy and also fantastic questions for us to think about. When I was a kid, I went to church. I went to a traditional Anglican church, and every week we said the Apostles' Creed. And I had a lot of questions about this particular line that we're going to think about today. I didn't understand a single word of it. I found it strange and confusing and I had to have my parents explain it. So I want us to start all together in the same spot and I'm going to explain what it means to believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. So first of all, we're saying that we believe in the church. And when we say the church, we're not talking about Um, places like buildings or the programs that the church runs. We're talking about the people. In his book, um, What Christians Ought to Believe, Mike Bird defines the church as the visible gathering of the faithful to represent the presence of God in the world. So over the last two weeks, we've seen that once Jesus ascended into heaven and we couldn't see him anymore, The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is now the invisible presence of God in the world. But his work in us as embodied creatures makes Jesus visible. So we are the people, are the church. And we believe that the church is holy. Now often we think that to be holy is to be really good, a perfect person, and there's certainly a moral component to holiness, but it's Jesus' goodness and perfection that counts for the church, not our own. The Holy Spirit is at work in us over the time and making Jesus' holiness part of who we are. But the word holy here, we believe in the holy church, speaks more about being set apart by God for a special purpose. You might have clothes that you wear to work or clothes that you wear for a special occasion. They are set apart for a reason, and the church is like that. In fact, when we become Christians, our lives are repurposed, like taking bits and pieces um, out of the hard rubbish and building a billy cart for your kids. That is what the church is like, people who are repurposed as one thing. So we believe in the holy church, but we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, I've got to tell you that when I was a kid, this was the word that I really struggled with. I would look around and see us saying, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and I'd think, what are we doing? Have we got it wrong? Has nobody noticed that we're in an Anglican church? Shouldn't we be down the road at the other building? My parents explained to me that the word Catholic actually means one or universal church. We believe that there is just one church throughout all of space and time. So those first disciples of Jesus and all the believers ever since till now and all the believers that will come in the future, they make one church. And it's not just all through time, it's all over the world. So believers from the Middle East, where Christianity began, into Asia, Africa, Europe, Australia, Pacific Islands, all around the world, people of different cultures and different skin colours, of many denominations and church traditions, all the different gathered communities of Jesus make up the one church. Now, we also say that we believe in the communion of saints. And the word saints I find pretty confusing too. Saints just means every follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean special Christians that we revere particularly. Some church traditions talk about saints like that, but here saints just means any and every Christian. Paul often started his letters in the New Testament with greetings to all the saints in the community, or he'd end that way, please greet all the saints. So I'm going to tell you that you can greet each other as saints if you wish. Well, to believe in the communion of saints is really to say a little bit more than what we just said before about the Catholic Church. It means that the followers of Jesus are in union with one another and also in union with God. We've talked about how God is in three persons, Father, Son and Spirit in union with himself and that we are in union together as the Church but also God and the church are in union. We believe in the communion of saints. In the um, New Testament letters, we see how the um, apostles understood this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that the church is like one body, with Jesus as the head and all his disciples making up the rest of the body parts and working together. Another image in his letter um, to the Romans in chapter 8 is of being our family, that we are adopted into the one family, that God is our heavenly Father and Jesus is our brother. We are siblings together. So to be Christian is to belong to a group. When we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, we're saying that there are no solo Christians. So if, like me, you've been missing the experience of being together, gathering to share life and worship God as a group, then it makes sense, doesn't it, that we would miss that because we believe in the communion of saints and this is what God intended us for. Now, if you've got your Bible open at um, John 17, which Peter read before, I want to show you that this idea of the church is actually God's idea. It is in the heart of Jesus for us, what he wants for us. Something else I've been missing about our Sunday gatherings is the opportunity to sit down and pray with people. Before and after every service, there were always people praying together. Praying is a great way to express that communion that we have with each other and with God. Well, here in John 17, we actually have a prayer of Jesus for us. We get to see his heart, what really matters to him what he wants to ask his heavenly Father for his friends. And it's not just his friends um, that we see in the Gospels. If you look at verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Well, let's have a look at the prayer and see some of the things that Jesus prays for us. Now, this prayer comes just before Jesus is going to be arrested and put to death. He knows he's leaving his friends. And he first of all prays for his friends' protection. Now, we know a lot about protecting ourselves at the moment, uh, about sanitizers and physical distancing. But when Jesus asks God the Father to protect his friends, he doesn't have in mind immunity from disease or other kind of suffering that people encounter in this world. In fact, Jesus was well aware that the disciples around him were going to face all kinds of trouble because of him. He knew that the world, you see that term, the world, he uses, and that just refers to people in the world who had already rejected him. He knew that the world and the evil one, or Satan, would treat his followers just as they treated himself. So Jesus is asking the Father not to protect us from suffering in the world, but that God would protect them from falling away from their faith. He asked God the Father to hold his friends fast, to keep them in relationship with him, to help them to remain faithful. You see it in verse 11, Holy Father, I will remain in the world no longer, Jesus says, but they are still in the world. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we as one, are one. Jesus' heart is for the protection of his friends. And then the second thing he prays for in verse 13 is for joy. I say these things, he says, while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. It's an interesting thing to pray when you're about to be arrested and die. But Jesus really wants to share in his joy, the joy of being with him, of being joined to him. He wants his disciples to overhear his prayer so that when he endures the pain and suffering, that they will know it is ultimately for our joy and that he himself will have joy afterwards and with us. In the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, the image used of Jesus and the church is of um, a wedding. Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. And Yesterday I saw um, an online wedding and I've seen a couple now um, since we've been in isolation and I have to say it doesn't matter that there's nobody else in the room. The look on the groom and the bride's face when they see each other is still pure joy. And this is the picture of Jesus and his church. I think that our church community is good at expressing joy through our music. And our kids, again, are our joy bringers. I've really missed the joy of baptisms. I missed the way that we celebrate Easter together. The joy that we have from belonging to Jesus is not just a side product. It's part of what it means to be in communion with him. And it's the goal that we look forward to and the way that we try and share life together now. Well, the next thing Jesus prays is that we'll be sanctified by the word of truth. And if you have a look at verse 17, he says this, To God, th- sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He asked God to make them holy. That's what sanctified means. Make them holy holy by his word of truth for the purpose of going into the world to tell others about him and sharing the life that he's given them. The Nicene Creed, which is a longer creed, adds the word apostolic to the belief about the church. I believe in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, which means that we believe the church is built on the teachings of the first disciples that they received from Jesus himself the way that God works to transform our hearts and lives, the way he creates unity between us, is through his word, by the power of his spirit. This means we will never outgrow the Bible or find greater wisdom or truth than what we find there in Jesus. And I have to take the opportunity, especially this week, with all that's happened in the world, to say, it doesn't do just to hold a Bible or to even own one and have one on your shelf. The church of God relies on his word of truth for our very life and ongoing holiness. We need to be people of open Bibles who humbly approach it and treasure the wisdom and life within it. Now all this talk about the church, the holy church in the world, I wonder how you feel about it. You might be hearing it and feeling a bit sceptical about the effectiveness of the Holy Church and the change it might bring. Things are really a mess out there. It's overwhelming at times. What difference will it make to be holy? If we keep learning from Jesus and taking on his holiness, we're going to discover that Jesus' holiness is unlike anything anyone ever imagined. The world that Jesus was born into it was easy to become unholy. There were all kinds of rules to keep in order to be considered clean or holy. If you came into contact with something unholy, you were immediately contaminated by it. So holy people often stood at a distance from the messiness of the world. They took pains to preserve themselves. But Jesus is not like that. The Gospels are full of stories about him doing the opposite. He was constantly coming into contact with people who were considered a threat to his holiness. He touched lepers and they were healed. He ate with tax collectors and sinners and instead of them influencing him, they were reformed. Jesus even touched dead people and they were raised to life. Jesus' holiness is robust and contagious and compelling. And his own death on the cross and resurrection are the ultimate example of this. In fact, this is his purpose in coming. This is the purpose of his holiness. You can see it in verse 19. He says, For them, for my friends, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. It seems strange that Jesus would talk about making himself holy or sanctifying himself. But he was set apart for that purpose. He died for the sins of the world that he loved. Now, if we are joined to Jesus as he prays here, then the sanctification going on in us will be a robust, contagious holiness that can go into messy places, bringing life and light and continuing restoration in the world that God continues to love. Well, finally, we see that Jesus prays that we would be united with him now and reunited with him in the future. Father, he says in verse 24, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. The end goal is for us to see Jesus face to face. Perhaps this time that we're having at the moment we can use as a way of looking forward, not just to each other, seeing each other, but the time when Jesus will return. And we see him as well. Well, how do we take this and make it real in our lives and in our church? At the moment, our experience of these things, protection, joy, sanctification, being united, are a bit elusive, I think. Despite all the technology, our experience of communion with one another has been diminished because of social distancing measures. And perhaps your joy is diminished as well. Maybe you're even struggling in your faith. Or maybe there are parts of your life that you once took for granted but feel shaky now and you feel insecure. If you are vulnerable or feeling the isolation keenly at the moment, then take this prayer of Jesus into the next week and be assured by it. God is with you. And please let someone else know. It's actually really hard at the moment to know who is struggling and needs support. I'd love to hear from you and pray for you and catch up with you. Now, I know some of you are not feeling too bad, actually, about the way things are at the moment. In some weeks, I really haven't mind going to church in my pyjamas, but we mustn't get used to this. The church is meant to be gathered and visible in the world. Our community group leaders have been absolute champions, I think, gathering groups online, continuing to open the Bible and pray together, and I'm so thankful for you. But Zoom can be very tiring and they need encouragement. Can I encourage all of us to make the effort to stay connected with one another and pray about whatever is coming next? Perhaps some, um, if there's someone on your mind, you could message them this week and uh, tell them you're thinking of them. Ask how you can pray for them. Invite someone to watch the live stream with you at your place. If you feel comfortable with the easing restrictions, Go for a walk with someone or have a coffee or a bike ride. As restrictions ease and we work out what's next as a church community, it's likely that things won't be quite the same as they were. But God will continue to hold us and perhaps there'll be some new opportunities for the church in the times ahead. We might need to learn new things. We'll have to work out what it looks like to represent Jesus to each other and our community in the times ahead. We'll have to be looking at what the needs are around us. Our community, our broader community is going to change. Please pray that God will give us eyes to see the needs and help us to serve in new ways. Something else that I think is really helpful to do at the moment is to remember that the Holy Catholic Church is, again, through space and time and that Mary Creek is just a part of it. So take a look and be encouraged by what the church is doing throughout the world at the moment. Find out what our mission partners are doing and pray for them. The links are in the email to their prayer news. You know, sometimes I've noticed that our primary tendency when we think about other church communities is either to critique them or to criticise our own community in comparison. But knowing that we are all one church and we have different parts to play as the one body can help us. We will pray for the whole church, learn about what's going on, and take some inspiration from them. I was reading an update from Anglican Overseas Aid yesterday, and I was so encouraged by the work they're doing, standing by church leaders and volunteers in Mozambique and Kenya. They are uh, have re-equipped themselves so that they can take messages of hope to struggling communities. They've produced material and trained leaders to help people get through the COVID crisis. What a blessing the church is in those places. What a great example of seeing and adapting to the needs of our world. The other day I've heard of friends who would normally be involved in university ministry on campus, and now they're delivering food to international students who aren't able to receive government benefits, and they're building companionship with them. Another wonderful thing to praise God for and to learn from. Think about how we might be a blessing at the moment. One family I know of realized that they weren't spending as much money at the moment because of the shutdown, so they decided to take what had accumulated and give it away. If you're in a position to do that, that would be a wonderful thing to do as well. We share in all this good work of the church throughout the world because we are one. And the more we learn to lift our eyes and celebrate it, the more we can rejoice together and inspire each other. Now maybe you're there and you're not sure what you think about Jesus yet. I know that we've had new people joining us on the live stream or maybe you've been with us for a while and you're sorting through your questions and I want to say to you that you are so very welcome here. It is a beautiful thing to be part of a healthy church community. There are good relationships to build. But it's important always also to think to work out what you think about Jesus. Remember, the Holy Catholic Church is not about just this horizontal relationship between people, but also this vertical relationship and communion with God. Keep asking your questions and work out what you think of this Jesus and his robust, compelling, contagious holiness. If you can see that in the Bible and you can trust him, then make this prayer that he prays for you as well. Let us know if you want any more information. Well, I hope that that's given you a better understanding of this line in the creed. And I look forward, so look forward to being together when we can share again in the communion of saints.